Roddy Yeager to Jagger wants it back. He gets it back and leaves it through for Holby. Oh, it's off the line. It's off the line. What's up, guys, and welcome to the Your Football Journal podcast. Uh, I'm your host for this week. My name's Caleb John. And we have a pretty exciting episode for this week. We're talking about the biggest game of the weekend, City versus Liverpool. Big game, but it didn't live up to the hype, uh, although there were a lot of talking points. So we'll be touching upon those. Once we're done with that, we're going to talk about Villa visiting the Emirates and getting a very, very positive result there. And finally, United versus Everton. United bouncing back after that loss against Arsenal, beating the Toffees 3-2-1. Once we're done with that, we're just going to have a chat about some European football, some news here and there, some transfer news involving PSG. Uh, Talk about Barcelona, the problems that they're having in La Liga and also touch upon Juventus, who are also not doing too well in the Italian league at this moment. So join us for another episode of Off the, Off the Line podcast and enjoy. Hey, George, how's it going? Hey, Caleb, I'm doing okay. We don't have Vishnu this week, unfortunately, do we? Pretty busy. No Vishnu this week, so we won't be talking about Leeds and his man crush, Bielsa. <laughs> so we'll, we'll talk about other other games. Yeah. All right, then. Let's get right into it. Okay, so the first game that we're going to talk about is the City versus Liverpool game. Ended 1-1, an absolute snooze fest in the second half. First half was really entertaining. I think the highlight of this game was actually De Bruyne missing a penalty. Yeah, surprisingly enough, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I thought Gabriel Jesus did really well to get his goal. Not sure if he meant it. He said, yeah, you have to be sharp in the box and all that. I get that. But it was very Burkamp-esque. Reminded me of the game from uh, Newcastle where Burkamp scored that crazy goal. Mostly on instinct, I'm sure, but did well to get that. And uh, I'm sure you heard uh, Roy Keane's comments on Kyle Walker. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, I guess he sums it up really well. Um, the way that Kyle Walker, you know, rushed to cover Robertson, I don't know what was going through his mind. He, I feel like City were just trying to overcompensate for uh, Liverpool's fullbacks and they should have just focused more on the midfield because Liverpool were losing the midfield battle when they were going toe-to-toe with City. Yeah, that's true. Actually, there were a lot of talking points actually from this game. And you brought up midfield battle. And it's 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 strange because it's the first time we're seeing almost like a 4-2-4 formation by Liverpool. It was an all-out attack, something that we we play in FIFA when just you know to mess around with each other. And um, it was it was pretty crazy. So this is so this this Pep Guardiola versus Klopp, it's it's kind of like a tactical battle. Uh, like of of sorts in the sense that it keep it's always evolving. It's not the same formations going up against the same tactics all the time. As they as two managers progress in their careers, their all their tactical evolution when they go head to head with each other also evolves. So and they're all always trying to outweigh each other. And this time, they kind of did the same things where both of them didn't have too much of a midfield. It was two pivots. On for both teams, one with Henderson and Wijnaldum and the other one for Rodri and Gudagan. And the rest is just for an attack. And they'll shift between this 4-2-4 and 4-4-2. So it was Liverpool on the front foot, you can say, on the first half. Now, there's not there's not really that much of a midfield, like you said. It's just Henderson and Wijnaldum trying to cover the spaces. 
and the rest is just you know Salah and Firmino almost playing like a dual, dual striker and Jota and Mane on the other side. So yeah, it, it was it was pre- pretty crazy like that. And and then in the second half, like you said, total snooze fest. Liverpool dropped into this four four two, and they're just you know trying to contain City. I think I think a lot of this is down to the fatigue, and that's probably one of the comments of the managers after the game. Well, uh, I'm not a huge fan of that the formation or the game plan that Klopp had for this game. It didn't seem like they were comfortable playing like that. Yeah, they were dominant in the first what thirty minutes of that game. But once City started to grow in that game and uh, Gundogan got more onto the ball, he started feeding De Bruyne. He used to get, who was getting space on that uh, right flank, inside that, you know, the right inside wing area where he loves, you know, putting in those crosses. That's where the goal actually came from. Long ball over to Walker. And if you had noticed, uh, noticed George, De Bruyne was completely free for a moment. And if you give someone like him that kind of space, he's going to create opportunities. So. I think they did really well to, you know, keep him quiet in the second half. Although the front four, as it was, they didn't have enough supply because they were lo- missing that creative outlet in midfield. I felt like maybe Firmino should have dropped in a little bit more deeper and uh, try to pull the strings a little bit more. Uh, and yeah, I guess for both teams, if they had really gone after it, at least one of them, we would be talking about a winner here. And uh Knowing like how, of uh, you know how hungry the both managers are, I'm sure they're you know ruining. They didn't go with the better game plan for this game. But you know, saying that, it almost felt like after the game, both managers were relieved that it was just a point. Neither of them lost. I mean, Pep Pep's post-match conferences are almost always bitter if he doesn't get the three points. Mm-hmm. But then it wasn't as bitter. As it normally is, and Klopp's was definitely more of thank God we didn't come away with no points. Thank God we got something from the game. So yeah, like you said, it was really strange. I think with City, if you if you go out, if you go all out on them, I think it works, but it you it's not sustainable. Like you can't that work rate that they they put in for the first half now. It clearly was not sustainable over ninety minutes. That's why the fatigue kicked in. And you lost your midfield battle. You're trying to put long balls from Trent, bypassing the midfield all the way to Salah and Mane. It's just not working, man. There was not, there was nothing going for them. But then, like like you said, like this game literally revolved around De Bruyne. I thought Ferran Torres and Sterling were non-existent in this game. There was absolutely no contributions that either of them did. Bernardo as well. All he does is just side passes and backward passes. Um, so. City are kind of evolving into this one-man army where if De Bruyne doesn't perform or De Bruyne is not in space or if De Bruyne is being marked really well, like last year at Anfield when Fabinho did a really good job in marking if you close him down, it's game over. And that's why City didn't just register two shots on target the whole game. And yeah. we talked about like City's creative ability and how it's declining, but this is pretty scary. Definitely. And they are missing out on, uh, you know, Aguero's sheer brilliance to make a goal or a chance out of nothing. Like, he can take those half chances and create something even better inside the box. Uh, another thing I noticed is when Trent got injured and uh, Milner had to come on, and then 
one of your substitutions was Shakiri. I just noticed that the Liverpool squad that started this season it looks a little bit thin now because Fabinho is out for some time, not too long. Van Dijk uh, rest in peace, and Trent is out now as well. Uh, see, uh, Liverpool don't look that they don't look like they have that strength and depth anymore. And I would say the same thing about City as well. Last season. Like, uh, you would have David Silva and you would have Bernardo Silva who can almost play in the same role and, you know, make more differences. They have also lost out Sane. I don't think Torres, however talented he is, he is not going to replace Sane. He was just a dynamite on the pitch. Both teams aren't as strong as they were last season. And I feel like both of them are going to uh, jump into the January transfer window. City to get another striker. Uh, because Jesus is not going to be able to keep up scoring like this. Uh, and Liverpool are definitely going in for a centre-back. Mark my words. Yeah, definitely. definitely. As in, the the amount of injuries that Liverpool have sustained since yeah. the start of the season is insane. And the squad is looking really thin. I think one, one point that you made about not having impact from, a bench, from the bench uh, brings me to the to the argument of whether to start Jota and Firmino or Jota and Firmino or whatever. And I honestly feel he is more of an impact coming off the bench. Jota. Because, yeah, because yeah. It's something different. Like when Shakiri comes on, it's something different. Like you you changed your formation. You, 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 you're going to try something new. And also Jota gives that. Yeah. And I think if you start them both, then... You're going to miss out on that. You know, that impact, that substitution. And that, that impact of Jota coming off the benches, like, okay, let's say he comes on in the 60th or 65th minute, maybe even the 70th minute. Uh, the backline is fatiguing. The opponent backline is fatiguing. He can use his space to get in behind and cause a nuisance. If you start all four of them, then what's your plan B? Because when Shakiri came on, and did he come on for Firmino? Is he came on for Firmino, yeah. Yeah, so I'm... Okay, I like Shakiri and I like what he can come up with, but is that what they needed in that game against City? I'm not too sure. Uh, I feel like since he started all four of them, there wasn't a plan B. He was like, okay, let's go get the goals now and we'll try to hold on. Yeah, make defensive substitutions later on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Well, it didn't work. (laughs) I mean, I I guess the only thing that I could see in Klopp's defense is that if he wanted to play a 4-3-3, like his usual 4-3-3, there wasn't any suitable midfielder that could cope up with the intensity of the game. So you, I don't think you can start Curtis. He's too young to start a Liverpool City game. And there's nobody really... I think Nabi Keita should have played in the sense if he was fit, I'm assuming that he would have played him. But I think... Klopp was just riding on this Jota form and just hoped that it could just sustain one more game just so that he could get the win against City. But yeah, I guess... Fair, fair, fair enough. And like Jota has done everything that he can to be in the starting eleven, So I think players should get rewarded in that sense as well. But I would have then taken Firmino off and dropped him to the bench if there was a substitute, I mean, someone else to play in that midfield three. So that when Firmino does come on, he is going to add something different to the game than Jota did, or vice versa. You know, I'm sure this is exactly what we were talking about before. And uh, on the City side, 
they didn't have that many answers to Liverpool either because they brought on uh, Bernardo Silva for Ferran Torres. Uh, I would have done it the other way around, actually. I would have started Bernardo Silva and brought on Ferran Torres to exploit, you know, the fatigue at the end of the game because the, the kid has got pace. And Bernardo Silva, when he cuts in on that left foot and he drifts inside, he can create goals. I feel he needed a bit more time to get into that game. He was too quiet and there weren't much chances for him to, you know, showcase what he can do. I'm a big fan of him. If, if that yeah, But the, the silver lining of that game was Benjamin Mendy, your favorite player, <laughs> didn't play the game. To be honest, all credit to Cancelo because I think after, after De Bruyne, Cancelo was the second best outlet to create a goal. It was yeah. him that did that really good right foot across to uh, Jesus mm-hmm. and who, you know, put it wide. But yeah. I didn't think De Bruyne actually had a good game. Okay, yeah, he created space. He had a few crosses in, but to his standards, maybe definitely not. not. But I think relative game. to all the other players on the pitch, yeah, for sure. he probably had uh, one of the best creative. And uh, you remember we were talking about the game when it was going on and Vishnu said that. Rodri is just a beat like Jorginho. <laughs> I mean, what more do you have to say about the guy? Like, I don't know. I'm not sure what he adds to the team. <laughs> he doesn't yeah, look I'm... like... I mean, and what is the reason that he was bought in for a lot of money, right? Wasn't it upwards of like 60, 70 million? Yeah, I think it was around 50, 60 million, yeah. No, why Why doesn't this get talked about? <laughs> why doesn't his performances get singled out like he was very average in that game I don't think he did anything of note he doesn't break down plays as well as uh, someone of his you know price tag should his passing range is very suspect it's mostly 5 yard to 10 yard passes and it's very sideways as well uh, what does he add to that team not really sure uh, I guess they don't have anybody else to play in that position at the moment yeah. fair enough but I think so there was no a, one talks about him. No one says that hey, these guys spend so much money on uh, Rodri and he's putting subpar performances week in week out. There was there was a tweet regarding this which I really liked, which was uh, the fact that Pep looked at that Atletico mid- midfield and mm-hmm. took uh, Rodri over party proves that he's a racist. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, it's and okay, so let's actually move on to that game the Aston Villa and Arsenal game where Villa scored three goals against Arsenal at home. The Arsenal fan TV boys are losing their shit. Oh, I'd love to see it. (laughs) After all that smack they talked about United last week because they, okay, they defended well and got a 1-0. Who cares? You got to go back up the performances. And uh, all credit to Villa, they did really well. But the turning point in that game was when Arteta brought off Thomas Partey. And boom, midfield opened up. Jack Grealish and Barkley got on the ball. Game over. It was as simple as that fast. But they were on the front foot from minute one. They literally scored in 47 seconds. It was ruled out for Barkley being offside in the line of sight of the goalkeeper. That ball was traveling hundreds of miles an hour. The goalkeeper wasn't ever going to save that. But that's a different topic. That's for a different podcast when we talk just about uh, VAR and its nonsense. What do you think, uh, Jack Grealish? I mean, Jack Grealish is in the squad now. Uh, over th- the form that Barkley has been showing over the last three or four games, he is not in condition for an England call up. And uh, Jude Bellingham, who's just completed 90 minutes for Dortmund once, 
has got the call up <laughs> i i don't understand like since we're not a big podcast since so sorry since we're not like a big company and we do you know like we're, we're not like a big thing out there we can actually say controversial stuff like like south like south kid <laughs> <laughs> like, probably has a thing for kids i uh, think i think that, that that's where he's going with especially that whole mason mount thing i think i think i didn't think you were taking in that direction but i can see where you're coming from anyone who wears a waistcoat is suspect is suspect <laughs> but but i i don't understand that jude bellingham decision he like you said he just completed 90 minutes for dortmund once and i get okay he started a champions league game well, big deal man i think ross barkley is putting in better performances than he's put in his chelsea days in villa and i it was him and grealish that you know destroyed liverpool the same pair that destroyed arsenal i mean this this deserves recognition um he's he's literally rejuvenated his career when he was at chelsea i didn't rate him at all i thought he was this dead weight i don't think even chelsea fans and that club also thought of it like that he's just there on our payroll he doesn't offer anything and i think this loan move to villa was just so that they could get him off his pay get him off the payroll and so that if he likes sits slots in like in a, like a pseudo way in villa and gets like a goal and assist maybe every 5 6 games then maybe villa will sign him for like 10 15 million at the end of the season i think that was their plan but now this guy is just rejuvenated he's making you know his comeback run yeah and wow barkley barkley looks good and uh, grealish obviously i think like we are huge fans of him we've been calling for him to be playing for england anyway for a long time now uh, and we have to give the praise to ollie watkins again two beautiful goals and uh, more than his goals his goal scoring absolutely fantastic both really good goals but, but his hold up play the entire game was excellent like long balls he used to just get it down on his chest he's bullying the arsenal defenders which is not saying too much uh, although he was just bullying them and he would wait till you know grealish or barkley or megin used to come close to him play the ball and go for the second uh, go for the second you know second ball so he can finish really good play from uh, ollie watkins that guy is going places if he can keep up this form hopefully he does and uh, i mean again arsenal looked poor very very poor very flat very sideways i uh, lacazette missed a really easy chance for a header someone of his quality yara 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 should be scoring that but that's not lacazette's fault i i don't believe it i can never understand why the last two managers have been playing obamayang off the left wing it will oh, oh i can't wrap my head around it yeah, i and i never will i i just can't understand it the guy has insane finishing quality or on the left flank he becomes your top scorer for the last three seasons in a row put him in put him in the center put him in the center you're going to get even more that's what i think I mean th- this game he didn't even register a shot on target if he I was shite if I remember correctly as in there's again uh, sorry george i'm actually really annoyed at arsenal because they have no creative outlet they absolutely nothing they tell ozil to pack his bags he's still trying to keep fit and trying to show that he's still hungry to play feel sorry for that guy and arsenal are just completely flat they never create chances they're so boring to watch and uh, 
25 goal Aubameyang is on the left wasted yeah i think i think they need to rethink their structure in the way they play their attack the way they line up like william pepe that right side is dead if obamian has a bad game left side is dead they don't have any creative outlet in the center like you said only i think parte does a a reasonable job but i think from a creative point of view probably sebayos is slightly better but sebayos is dog shit <laughs> I, i don't know what he offers to that team as in i, I feel <laughs> And Partey is a much better midfielder because he's got so much more in his game. Yeah. And if we just look at creative ability, I think Sabayas is slightly better. I mean, that, that's just my yeah. opinion. Okay. I haven't yeah, seen that sure. much of Partey. I haven't seen that much of Partey to be able to judge so much. But I've seen a lot of Sabayas because he's been in the prem for a while, and I feel that he, at least going forward, at least looking up and looking for that forward ball. I'm not saying that it's always successful, but at least he does that. and i feel like you said arsenal this is this is arsenal's problem they they try to play on the left hand side with kiri and uh, saka and obameyang just getting that overload on that side so you know what is uh, what is tierney's position in that team and how does saka fit in that position as well do they i i, I can't make sense of that so when they defensive they play a five at the back if i'm not wrong tierney yeah. slots into that center back position uh, left center back and then saka's What is what is Saka's job? Saka, oh, I, I I guess to be a wing back. So to so to, then what's Tierney's job when they're going forward? Oh oh, when going forward, oh Tierney's job is to so Saka, Aubameyang and Saka will get the overload on that side, okay, and try to drag midfielders and try to drag the centre backs and the right back, right, and Tierney will try to make the overlap because they don't have space to cover everyone. So that's yeah, what that's what you mentioned this as well uh but their right hand side is shit so they can never switch the play you're right they can never do the same on the right where like clubs like liverpool who can do it on both flanks yeah. they can't because like holding does not have this in his game and i think Bell- bellerin is just like an an old age man. like he's 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 getting old he's getting really old not in terms of age but just in terms of just the game <laughs> like yeah. He's wearing. His fashion style. His fashion yeah. style is becoming old. He's wearing off on him, but and and it, it doesn't. None of this matters if you don't have creative people. If your front, if any of your front three are clicking, so imagine. So this is what happened. Like in the Villa game, you got Lacazette missing easy chances. You got Willian, who's just who only turned up for one game of this this season. That was against Fulham on opening day, and you have Aubameyang, who had. you can say a, a rare occasion where he had a bad game usually he has a de- no, i'm not saying a, a good game but an average he's game he's more influential he's more say. exactly uh he's more influential in today or oh, sorry in in this game he he wasn't but that that's so once that midfield that that front three is dead then arsenal is dead because <laughs> they have no more creative options in their midfield no, nobody else can do anything which yeah. is I'm sure it's really frustrating for the Arsenal fans, winning at Old Trafford and then losing at home to Villa. Like, <laughs> I don't know what's going through there. But like, even in the United game, just to go back onto that, Arsenal didn't create like clear-cut open chances. If you take away the penalty, then it was a pretty even game in terms of exactly. Uh, and the thing is, Arsenal fans are also delusional. 
they thought that they you know tactical masterpiece by Arteta. He's completely broken down. Ole, Ole is a PE teacher and all that nonsense. But what's the point? You scraped a one nil victory. That was a penalty. It was a rush of blood to the head for Pogba to bring, uh, you know, to concede the penalty. It shouldn't have actually happened. Other than that, like you said, Arsenal didn't create anything. They're just gassing themselves up. Yeah, I guess I guess the only thing that they could take away from that game was the intensity. I think if we look back on yeah. the game, it was yes, you can say but, that. yeah, but but literally that that's all. That's too much in the past. I think yeah, I, I don't I don't know. Like like you said, Arsenal Arsenal's creative problems is something they should address in the in the January transfer window. I think honestly, just to get rid of Lacazette, I I think I I don't understand how he scores. Like, because the goals he scored, usually the goals that he scored this season, none of them have been, I mean, most of them have been, like, pretty average. Yeah, tap-ins and scrappy goals. And exactly. He doesn't show that killer instinct that maybe even someone like a Giroud would. Like, you know, be, just being there in the right place at the right time. And Giroud could, he used to come up with some magnificent finishes as well. Lacazette, he, but every, I think Lacazette himself feels like, you know, I, I could do better. And he's just short on confidence and things like that. Because he can finish. He doesn't look sharp. And uh, to be honest with you, none of those Arsenal players looked that sharp against Villa. Uh, maybe because of the fact that Villa, everybody was on crack. Like, they were, they were sharp. They, were, they wanted that win. And uh, I like seeing that from them. Last season, they were about to go down. This season, they're in sixth. Uh, after seven games, they have a game in hand as well. And uh, I think Dean Smith is doing a really good job there. And uh, Grealish has to get all the praise. He's stuck with the, his boyhood club, signed another five-year contract. He could have gone to any other club in the world. I mean, if they could afford him, obviously. He could play in any team in the world. I think everyone can see that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so... Let's just swagway that to the previous, um, you know, <laughs> first place <Yeah>. boys, <laughs> Everton. United <laughs> visited them at uh, Goodison, and I wasn't expecting too much from this game, to be honest with you. But Everton were poor. They didn't come up. I mean, they didn't show up, actually. And they got the first goal, and I was livid at that defense again. Lindelof got beaten really easily by Calvert-Lewin and you know Bernard took a shot out of nothing and De Gea was a little slow to react fine but the point of this is I don't see where United would be if we didn't have Bruno Fernandes like it's it I haven't I don't know in the recent past like which player has made such an impact to a team like Bruno Fernandes has it's 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 actually crazy it's magical to me yeah I, I I couldn't agree more. That he he runs the show. It's been I've noticed this for especially this season for a couple of games now, especially in that PSG game. But like since we're talking about this Everton United game, the his work rate is absolutely insane. He yeah. is everywhere. Like you, because when he 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 leads the press at times, um, when when you guys are pressing, he will press with Martial as well as drop into that midfield, as well as be go, go back and help out in defense. So his work rate is insane. I, and he, he's so motivated. 
I I don't get it. <laughs> there there are very few players, like like you said, who've had such an impact. But more than that, two are so motivated. Like I like Grealish had a huge impact on Villa last season, but I don't think he was that motivated. Like he he just, especially when he signed his new contract last season, that he looked really, nah. I'm just I'm good. I know I'm good, but I don't really like who I'm playing for. But this guy, he really I feel like he really likes what, where he is. And he likes the impact that he brings and he's really motivated. And that's why he's there. He's getting he's getting in on the goals. He's getting in on the goal contributions as with the assists. So uh, there's no doubt in my mind that the captaincy has to be taken off Maguire and given to Bruno Fernandez, like immediately. Because on the pitch, Maguire is just whispering to his players. He doesn't show any sort of command. Even when they went down uh, 1-0, it was Bruno who was trying to rally up the players and try to, you know, lift their spirits to get back the goal. And, yeah, let's talk about that goal. Uh, I feel like Shaw also gets a lot of stick from United fans. They make fun of him all the time, saying he doesn't put enough enough work. He's overweight. He's a chubby boy. He looks like the guy from Simpsons. And uh, Shaw has assisted twice in the last two games. And he's playing really well on that left flank. Uh, it, it's nice to have Tellers coming back to show some competition in that, uh, you, you know, in that position. I want them to have a good, you know, a healthy rivalry. And Bruno, what I loved about his goal, he finished it with his head. Yeah, we know that he's good on his feet, but the fact that he could see that space drift in, just get the head on that. Brilliant player, man. Like, I just, I'm waxing lyrical about him. Because we need someone like him. And if only everybody else around him could match his intensity and, you know, his heart and desire, I think this team could do way, way better. Because when the team is on, you know that they are going to fire on all cylinders. They play really well all over the park. But it is a mentality thing for this United team. When they're confident, they're absolutely ruthless. And uh, if they go back, if they lose a goal or two, they're just completely deflated, like we saw against uh, Istanbul. Wi-Fi password. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Wi-Fi password. And uh, it was nice to see Cavani get a goal as well, which was also set up by Bruno, who could have actually taken a shot going for his hat-trick. But again, just shows what he, you know, what he, what it means to, what he, the club means to him. Sorry. Yeah. So, as a United fan, I couldn't wish for anything better. Definitely, I think the the I, I like that you brought up Shaw, uh, because the left hand side for United was where you guys had the most. You had the most joy. I think fifty percent of your attacks went down that left. Now yeah. we have we have spoken about this for so many times in the pod about how Hamas's defensive contributions is yeah. so minimal. And week in, week out, you see teams exploiting that. You saw Liverpool from in within five minutes scored by from a switch of play from the right hand to the left hand side and scoring like that. So teams, every time anyone faces Everton, they're just they're, they're looking to exploit that left hand side. United did the exact same thing. And yeah, so it, and I, I don't know. I don't know what actually does with this. It's like a double-edged sword. Hamas is so good with his left foot going forward but then if he's not gonna if he's not ready to put that shift in then you're gonna lose games you're gonna concede goals so i i I don't 
I feel Hammers needs a position shift now. Like, okay, he was uh, good in the first few games. Uh, Everton's complete performances have dropped down. I think uh, losing Richarlison, you know, loses out that balance in that team. However, I would like to see Hammers more in a 10. And uh, yeah. he can, he can pull more strings there and take more shots on goal, which would lead to more chances for Calvert-Lewin to poach on these shots because Calvert-Lewin is a brilliant poacher inside the box. So I, that's what I personally would like to see from Hammers and uh, the Everton team. Maybe when Richarlison comes back, they'll start hitting form again. But I, do you think that Richarlison is a problem with that team? Last three games, uh, three losses. Yeah, I think he should he should take some blame for this. Uh, it was his really reckless challenge that resulted in this. So I think the manager, the players, the fans should really go in hard at him. I I like I rate him as a player, but he he's extremely hot headed, and I don't think he's he, he has he has that you know. Think before. Yeah, he doesn't have the discipline. And I expect Ancelotti, especially after this incident, to really drill this into him. But yeah, this I I, I like I I would honestly prefer Everton player 4-2-3-1. Just so that Hammers doesn't get so much stick for not being too defensive. And you're a little bit more solid. And I think that's eventually what uh, uh Ancelotti will have to do. He will he has to change Hammers out of that role. But I don't, I don't. Can Richarlison play on the right in a four-two-three-one? I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, Richarlison likes to cut it on his right, and then. So he likes to play on the left. So will he? Maybe the maybe Bernard can probably play on the right, or, or Tom Tom Davis. No, who who's the? They have they have a kid, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure if Davis is a kid anymore. Not Davis. Not not not. Is it some Anthony something? I'm um, pulling up their team. Anthony. Anthony Gordon. There we go. Mm. And so he, he he likes to play on the wing, and he's he's a bright spark. Uh, whenever I've seen him play, he's he's a bright. So I I don't know if he can play on the right hand side. I, I guess this is probably why Ancelotti hasn't tried this before. Maybe he doesn't have anyone to play on the right. Uh, comfortable playing on the right other than Hammers, probably that's why he's going to 4 3. I don't know, but clearly he has to change this. This is not working. And I'm surprised to see, uh, you know, Gilfie Sigurdsson starting that game as well. Yeah. Instead of Andre Gomez, is there something wrong with Gomez? I I don't know. I'm not sure. He didn't even come on. So, yeah, as in uh, uh, Everton's midfield has been lacking a lot of creativity and it's. It is what it is, it's unfortunately. Costing them. And uh, let's talk about Pickford. Another crazy challenge. He roundhouse kicked Harry uh, Maguire. I don't think he knows which sport he's playing. I mean, McGregor would be proud of his kick. Like, it was perfect form and he twisted his hips. Everything was perfect with that kick. <laughs> and he gets away with it again. He, I, I don't understand. I don't understand this. It, it's so, it's, you know what frustrates me is that Southgate just said before that game, oh no, not before that game, but like last week, before the game week, he said yeah. no one is challenging for a place. No, what Everton. is this guy smoking, dude? Because like, oh, send me a bag. I, what, what the heck is that guy smoking? Uh, Nick Pope puts in 
okay, maybe they don't get as many clean sheets as he would like, but he's playing for Burnley. Last season, he did get a lot of clean sheets as well. He makes remarkable saves every time he plays. He's good at, like, you know, uh, you know, making himself big. He's already a monster of a man. He can make himself big. He can drown out that attacking if they're on a one-on-one situation. What more does Nick Pope have to do? I don't know. Dean Anderson as well. He's a really good goalkeeper, but he doesn't get enough uh, time on the pitch to showcase that, right? But whenever he does play, he makes uh, a couple of worldy saves every single game. Uh, yeah. Pickford is, Pickford is shit. <laughs> like, he is. He, he, he honestly is. And the fact that Southgate has to come out and say that nobody is challenging for that. Yeah. It, it's like he's saying that I, I acknowledge that there are other keepers, but nobody is that nobody is as good as Pickford. I'm like, I, I don't get that because I the the thing that keepers can't do is have unforced errors. Sorry, forced errors. Right. And like you can't just be clumsy, you can't be careless as a as a keeper. And I I don't see Dean Henderson. And I don't see Pope have that in their regular game. Like on the off, maybe once or twice in a season, like your your concentration lapses and something happens. But yeah. Pickford, it happens so much. Like he he makes poor saves and which result in goals. He makes poor decisions which result in injuries and like controversies. So I I don't I don't get it when some someone who's basked in this kind of you know unhealthy limelight I, I i don't get how southgate can just come out and just say that no one else is challenging no what does that say to you know like for the confidence of nick pope and uh, henderson like they pope especially he plays week in week out he's consistently good and what more does he have to do like pickford is not playing well he doesn't look confident either the only thing pickford can do is he, he has a monster goal kick on him he can smash that ball to Calvert, Calvert Lewin and he can, you know, yeah. they can start the play from there. That Other is, than that, he doesn't offer anything to that team. No, I, I completely agree. I think it's it was after the comments that Southgate made, it was reported that Dean Henderson's looking to go out on loan. And I completely support that. I think he should go out from loan from United till United are ready to make him the number make, one. Make him number one. And till then, they should just keep loaning him off. And getting, making him get more, get as much game time as possible, so that he gets better. Um, and then hopefully challenge Pickford. For, I think Southgate should drop Pickford for a couple of games, so that Pickford knows that hey, I've got to get my head straight. Like he needs to to know that there is competition in that England squad. Like you can't develop this kind of arrogance for such a bad player. I mean, I, I get that Pickford's come from like a really difficult path to be where he is. And he was in a lot of relegated sides, and he still was one of the best players on the field. And he he made made it to where he is now, but that still doesn't justify who he like his places in England squad. Nothing should justify that. Only performance should. Performance. Yeah, exactly. And every player, uh, is replaceable or should be replaceable. Like we can bring the same case on Harry Maguire and the fact that he plays week in week out for England and United. Like okay, he's starting to turn o- turn new leaf. Like he's getting better, but like in all honesty, that guy needs to take another vacation. Maybe not to Greece, 
and more importantly he just needs a hug you know like <laughs> people just need to like hug harry maguire and just say like dude it's going to be fine and like you said pickford needs to come out of that team to know that hey okay i can't keep doing this nonsense i got to get my shit together because when pickford was good he is good he is a good shot stopper I, and i'm sure like everyone can agree with that if he puts in the performances we wouldn't be having this conversation it's just that when you're not playing well do you play a goalkeeper back into form that's that's super difficult there's too much on the line yeah Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's a it's a conundrum. Definitely, it's a conundrum. Yeah, for sure. And uh, okay, I feel like we've talked about the games that we wanted to talk about. Um, yeah. The last thing I just wanted to actually talk about was Chelsea's performance against Southampton, and mainly the impact that Ziyech has made after he's come back from injury. Yeah, uh, he's been excellent. I knew that this was going to happen. Like the the puzzle was there, and the missing piece was Ziyech. and now when habertz comes back after recovering from uh covid he's going to i i assume he's going to be in the 10 and zh on the right and that's going to look very exciting for them uh yeah don't don't forget they have polisic as well as polisic as well oh, yeah. no starting to score goals also yeah I, i i this chelsea team will win titles like yeah, i i i can see that i don't know if lampard's going to be the manager and lampard's going to do it because uh like to win titles to win trophies it, it takes way more than this because yeah, yeah. chelsea's run of fixtures have been really good i they have only played united and liverpool and they haven't got any point they haven't won any of those games so we haven't really seen them go against up, up against a big big boys and tactically win this season so it will be interesting to see but like you said man like the this team is clicking Reece James is quietly becoming one of the best crossers in the yeah. Premier League. I think because Trent is there everyone knows Trent everyone talks about Trent he's a Premier League winner Champions League winner he gets a lot of media attention but Reece James man he's quietly getting in on the assists he's quality he's got quality balls in from that right back position and he both Reece and Ben Chilwell are embodying the whole you know modern day full back roles of yeah. so strong in attack by getting in on goals by getting in on the crosses and the assists as well as what they have that i feel that liverpool might not have is their defensive ability reece james is really good for we at the back for chelsea and another thing is thiago silva he he's brought leadership into this relatively young or was relatively young uh, chelsea said i guess still is to be honest um so yeah that 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 would, that's another really great addition for them he and he also got in among the goals so i'm sure that must have done a lot for him for yeah. his Chelsea career i i can't now look looking at his performances that he's put after the the west brom game that he made a mistake and looking at how chelsea have conceded the least few goals after they signed mendy uh it's amazing to see how psg let him go so i if, Pardon? Was he at PSG? Yeah, he was at PSG, and they they let him go. He, he was a free transfer. They didn't they didn't sign. I think he wanted to stay on. He was very happy at PSG, but they didn't they they weren't willing to extend his contract. So. Well, PSG. Let's actually just talk about some European football as well. Then, 
PSG are looking to sign Mbappe, Neymar, and Di Maria onto new contracts. Do you see that happening? Do you see Mbappe staying at the team? I I, I don't see Mbappe staying at the team. Do you think Mbappe for his career should stay at the team? Probably not. I think he he's someone with aspirations. I think he took the PSG deal initially because it's in France. He's gonna get a lot of money. And it's stepping stone. It's a stepping stone. It's a stepping stone. Plus, it's a Nike back team, so it does good for his sponsorships, etc. So, I think from a financial point of view, I think his agent must have probably said that, "Hey, this is this is a really good move right now, and he can really develop you as a player." Uh, I think, but he can do way better. He can. Uh, as regards to who could afford him, no idea. There were there were talks. Liverpool might go in. I don't see it. It's not. I don't. I don't see that happening unless you offload Salah and uh, Mane, and for both big money moves, there's no way you can afford. Yeah, Liverpool. exactly. So I, I think probably a, a move to Madrid, maybe. It makes the most sense. Makes the most sense. Yeah. I mean, like Hazard's shit. Now, I I I feel it always perplexes me. Like these guys, they go to. Spain, thinking, okay, yeah, the weather's so nice, it's always sunny, I can play in this easy league. Boom, crash, their career goes to shit. Like Hazard, okay, injuries. Then he came back overweight. Then he got injured again. Then he came back overweight again. And he didn't score for a year. Let's not forget that. <laughs> he didn't score for a year. Now he has COVID. Dude, like, I, I, can I think you ima- dude, Hazard in that team at Chelsea. Can you imagine that shit? It, it, for them, it's like. It's it's like another MLS to be honest. Yeah. We 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 don't see it like that. Fans don't see it like that. But I think players, some players might. I mean, it's easy for them. The intensity, it it's a bit more tactical. I think the Spanish league. Yeah. But intensity wise, it's nothing compared to the Premier League. Like the way, uh, the the injuries that you could sustain in the Premier League and how fast it is in terms of you know just. Pure down, pure intensity. It doesn't come. So I think for them, it's more a relaxing pace. Plus, you aren't carrying your team. It's it isn't a burden for you. You yeah. Hazard. I don't think Madrid signed Hazard for so that he could carry that team to like a treble or La Liga or a Champions League. He was just supposed to be there to just do his thing, and everyone else will do their thing. And you know, the La Liga table is a madness right now. Oh, I think every table is a madness right now. Apart I mean, from the apart from the German one, the German one, everything else is it's gone wham. It's like gone so, that nine games, six wins, two draws, and one one loss, and Barcelona in eighth place. When is the last time? Love to see Love to see. Even yeah. even I think. Uh, what is it? Zlatan's also going on a mad streak, scoring I think in a sixth consecutive game. And making AC Milan top of the league. The, you oh. know what I don't like about Barcelona? They get these kids from La Masia who are really good, super talented. Anzu Fati, 150 million this thing release clause. Pedri just played three games or something. Another 180 million release clause. <laughs> like, dude, stop hyping these kids up. Let them play their football and let them reach the height where, okay, you're worth 150 million release clause or whatever. What if they're not going to do well? And they have to offload these guys. Do yeah. they? What's What's the point? Like, stop bigging up these players and let them do their job. You know, first, and stop putting so much pressure on Messi. He doesn't look like he gives a shit anymore. You saw that video, right? Against uh, Kiev, he's just walking back. 
like he doesn't give a fuck yet yeah, 90th minute all that stuff but like who does that he doesn't give a shit no one cares about barcelona anymore. yeah i mean it is it is sad i think i mean i guess since they're going to get new management we'll have to see but i mean uh, why why are you putting a release clause on pedri for 150 million what's the point in all fairness he wasn't that good in the in the el clasico but hey whatever i guess no so so what they're expecting someone to come in for him next season and say like hey we're going to give you 30 million and barcelona will be like no you have to give us 150 million to sell him like what's the point yeah just just stop doing that to these players like it's not fair to them and you know what what's good about that barcelona team dembele is hitting form again he scored a mad goal weekend. No, I I didn't I didn't yeah, I mean I didn't see the goal game itself but like yeah the highlights Dembele looks Dembele looks like he's hitting form again. Playing well in the Champions League as well. Dude, I think he he should try to get out of that team. If I was Dembele, I I would set my sights to somewhere else. Um, I mean, do you the, imagine what like De Jong is going through right now actually? Just the fact that he left that such an exciting Ajax team. to make the dream move to barcelona and then whammo barcelona <laughs> house is on fire the president is losing his shit messi wants to get the hell out of there ansu fati is the new king who's injured now he yeah he's all he's off for four months he's in trouble now so pedri is going to be the main man <laughs> no it's always messi is always a main man <laughs> Yeah. I don't. I don't get them. And uh, yeah, even Juventus. Okay, like we were just going through all the leagues. Juventus also not doing too well. Ronaldo is back firing again, like he always does. But they haven't been winning games. I think that's partly to do with Pirlo being in his first top-flight managerial role. Yeah. And him inheriting a squad of good players. But I think the trouble with PSG is you need tactics. We first you need tactics for that team because everyone's too good, right? If you, it, you, you just can't let them do their own thing. They need to gel. Yeah. They need to gel, and I, and that's probably why they don't win trophies outside of Italy. It's because they could probably get away with just sheer quality, but like when you want, when you need to play the big games against the big opponents, you need to be tactically sound. And I think. Pelo's just getting into this whole tactical rhythm so I think just give give Juventus time it'll be nice to see somebody else win Serie A especially since after I wrote that article about AC Milan being right. shit yeah. for so long it'll be poetic justice if they win the league and then a big fuck you to me for writing that article I mean yeah that's what all these guys are trying to do right say fuck you to us <laughs> <laughs> anyways anyway so Yeah, is there anything else that we need to talk about? Um, not much. Uh, international fixtures for next two weeks. Yeah, Ooh. I'm actually happy that there's a break in the Premier League. Yeah, uh, yeah, me too. Uh, it was actually getting a little overwhelming. It was. Yeah. I, I need. I, I just, I just want the players to just chill out, just to relax. I, I, I sucks that they have to go play more football. I wish the Prem would just give a week off to everyone because yeah, people need it. Hey, everyone's just dropping like flies. More than anything else, like in this you know pandemic age that we're living with, should these players be traveling and playing international, international football? Just bemuses me beyond. 
like there are already okay the uk has gone back into lockdown now a number of players have to deal with uh, quarantine restrictions if they if they are coming back it depends on which country you're going to and stuff right so it just complicates the thing like i mean i guess these are european qualifiers right it's not just friendlies uh in they are euro qualifiers ireland yeah, so ireland okay, at least yes ireland and scotland scotland have an important game coming yeah up. they do and bo- even ireland do as well so at least this time there's a you know reason to it they are international friendlies in this time you know scrap it let the players have a rest for a week or two and come back and uh try harder for their clubs because everyone doesn't look like they're up to speed except uh, asamilla actually and <laughs> because it makes sense right they they just play once every week exactly. and and it makes sense that that's why they're putting in quality performance i think if every team was allowed to just play once every week you would get more recovery time less injuries and more quality on the pitch george what do you what is your opinion on this like since okay so there's like you know drug enforcement in terms of performance enhancing drugs and stuff like that for these players that no one should do it hear me out we start a new league everybody is on performance enhancing drugs <laughs> see the peak potential of humans like what can we actually do i mean yeah super league super league oh yeah juice league yeah and then and then if it's in uh which was the state that legalized crack was it ohio <laughs> it was oregon oregon yeah so then they should play all the matches there and like they should just get sponsored by all these all the all the dispensaries and drug dealers legalize crack dealers you know it'll be perfect what a world it'll be so funny imagine the olympics imagine hussein bolt and michael phelps on performance enhancing drugs was it michael phelps on performance enhancing no he smoked a bong once george jesus uh-huh. <laughs> and bongs don't oh, no, then who was it? was it lance armstrong who yeah lance armstrong lance armstrong was uh, the mastermind he used to you know he used to get his drugs into his system blood and then he would uh you know he would bag that blood and put it in freezers and he would have fresh blood like injected into him so like when his uh drug thing happened like the testing happened he would have clean blood and after that would happen he would just shoot up the blood again the drug filled blood how badass is that um I mean I think uh, you need to do performance enhancing drugs for cycling it's too strenuous man yeah it's it's bad it's bad I don't know why these people do it yeah. anyway I think we are going off in Yeah we we went on a we went on a pretty wild trip <laughs> anyway. I mean I would love to see it. the Olympics on Olympics on uh, drugs imagine the scenes dude I, I, it would be amazing yeah <laughs> okay sorry george i uh, went off topic mm-hmm. all right then uh george so it's just both of us this week vishnu should be joining us next week and we will go again i think next week we'll be talking about maybe international fixtures or some other topics since we don't have the prem what do you think oh yeah we'll we'll, we'll get some we'll get something special we'll get some, really some of our specials Specials. We'll try to get someone on the board as well. Someone interesting. Oh yeah, maybe. definitely. Do we know any interesting people? Not really. Uh, it's just the three of us. We don't have many friends, do we? <laughs> it's just it's just the three of us, I guess. 
Uh, no, we'll we'll see what we can do. We wanna expand. I would say get more audience, get more people on board. It'll be fun. Definitely. Okay, George. So, thank you for joining me on the Your Football Channel podcast. Or was it the Off the Line podcast by Your Football Channel? I'm still not used to it. Why did we change the name? Shut up. <laughs> All right then. Take care. We'll. See you next week.